And this microphone looks crazy, but it sounds pretty good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 189 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards! Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and the afterglow of this podcast will be the heroine to a smile in your sleep. I don't think any of that makes sense, but I don't know if I can let you get away with that. That's fucking all over the shot. What? What do you mean hero- heroin is in a woman or heroin as the drug? I've, I've got to admit, my puns are bad habits. Again, I'm guessing that must be a Silverstein song. Is that what's going on here? Um, yes, this week's guest, if you hadn't already guessed on those absolutely bang obvious clues that I got, and I'm only joking about, <laughs> this week's guest is a frontman, songwriter, podcaster, and all-round good egg, Shane Told of Silverstein. Yes, the return of Shane Told, and return of the Mac. <laughs> I fucking love this band. I don't know what it is, but since I hit my 20s, I've really resonated with Silverstein and Shane's songwriting. Obviously, legendary band in this emo alternative scene. I've always appreciated records like Discovering the Waterfront, but ever since the 2017 album Dead Reflection, they've become one of my on-repeat bands to say. something. Just something about them and bands like The Main is another one that the older material has really resonated with me. So very happy for us to have Shane back on the podcast for round two and having a conversation about a lot of different aspects behind his life, the band celebrating anniversaries and reminiscing some very good times, Sean. Obviously, we're good friends. You got to tour with him back in the day and it's always been a laugh. Fantastic, fantastic human being, Silverstein. A very, very good egg, as I said. Yeah, we talked everything from touring with Amity Affliction, Old in Absence, Misery Made Me, the latest album, the songwriting. I was surprised to hear about the songwriting aspect of it all. And also, over three years ago, I recorded a, a podcast for a, an episode for Shane's podcast that he never put out. So if you'd like to hear that, or you'd like to hear <laughs> me on Lead Singer Syndrome, which will help this podcast grow, obviously, get in touch with Shane and say, do an episode with Sean. Do an episode with Sean Smith, because he's got loads of brilliant stories, 
Much more than a lot of the front men you've got who've only been in bands a year. I'm not angry. I'm not angry, right? <laughs> I just, I'm disappointed. I thought we were friends. We went to London to record that especially. And we put ours out and he never put his out. So anyway, yeah, this week's guest is the lovely Shane Told. And um, yeah, this is a very, very good episode. Please take that with a pinch of salt, but also give Shane a push, is it? <laughs> but yeah, we catch up immensely since the last time he was on the podcast back in 2020. Cover a lot of different topics and some that are quite mind-blowing, including the fact that they got to play the Tokyo Dome in Japan once, which is a huge deal if you're wrestling fans like us. Uh, his solo project, River Oaks, that doesn't really get talked about much these days. And an insight into those early days on Victory Records, obviously a label that put out a lot of our favorite albums, but a lot of bands had some misfortunate experiences <laughs> with Too Soon. Yeah, fucking did eh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Call new label Victory Records, right? And then getting as many fucking law cases? That's, that's wrong, isn't it? Getting many, as many court cases as they did? What a fucking... What an oxymoron to call your label Victory <laughs> Records and to get into as many court cases as they did. It's mm. unbelievable. But yeah, um, yeah, it was good to chat about that. Always a good time seeing Shane. And then we saw him at Slam Dunk. We had a bit of a hug. And um, yeah, it's always always good to see the Silverstein boys. It is. It really is. So stay tuned for some secrets on all that. But of course, at the time of this podcast coming out, we will be at 2000 Trees Festival in Cheltenham, UK, recording a bunch of exclusive conversations and doing three live podcast shows. So keep an eye out for all the fallout from that at Sapling Pod. Oh, technically, we might have split up by now, eh? <laughs> Maybe. If the, if the Thursday one goes that bad, I'm going to punch you to death, right? So, um, yeah, this will come out by accident. For, you might be dead. This might be post-Thomas. <gasps> Ooh, I don't mean like after we've eaten, you know, the vegan spread. I meant no, you no, no. could well be dead. Yes. But keep an eye out for what could happen at Saffron Pod on Twitter and Instagram for all that. We've got a few surprises going ahead. Fingers crossed if I don't die between now and then. And we've got to say massive congrats because 2000 Trees have officially sold out for this year. So sadly, if you were looking to go last minute, you're not able to. But some good news is that they have just released the first wave of tickets for 2023's Ooh. edition of the festival. They are available now with a very discounted early bird price. It's the cheapest the tickets will be with 20% off, and you can only get them at this price until Sunday the 17th of July. That's one week post-festival, so act fast. Tickets are available via Dice or on their website at 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. And as I said, we're going to be very busy this week. There's going to be a lot of extra content. There's going to be a lot of surprises, fingers crossed. So keep an eye out for everything going on. Are they tracking how many that we technically sell via this thing now? Because I just realized that we're not using Sapnin as a promo code. So how do they know that we've got people to send it to them and then ultimately send us the millions of pounds of cash that they're definitely going to send us. They're definitely... I, I thought we were just going to pick all that up at the festival, so we're going to leave with just, like, those bag money. I am taking an empty suitcase just to fucking <laughs> fill it full of fivers, like... Yeah. Is. Well, what we'll do, we'll give it to James, the head of 2000 Trees, and I think he's just going to throw all the money in the suitcase for us straight away. I'd hope so. 
which means we could leave a Thursday and then just <laughs> go. The festival sold out, so, and that's definitely all due to us. Well, I know that, you know that, but like, do they know that? That's the question. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, let's get on with this fucking episode, shall we? <laughs> yes, this is the return of Shane Told of Silverstein on episode 189 of Sapnin Podcast. Lovely. Ontario's finest. Sapnin! Sapnin! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Oh, yes. (laughs) Back once again with the Renegade Master. This week's guest is Ontario legend. Legend. Shane Told. How are you, Shane? Oh, fantastic. It's good to see you guys, man. It's, uh, I feel like we, the last time we talked, we had no idea what was good, was about to happen. (laughs) Like in just like a month or whatever before. And, uh, we've been through all the shit. And now we're like, maybe okay again, you know? Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of. <laughs> no, but a lot is uh, a lot has changed since that last chat we had together uh, in London. Um, but how are you doing, man? How's things at the moment? It seems like you've just been extremely busy lately with the band going back on tour and just hitting full throttle again. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's it's been it's been pretty pretty nuts. But like, the amazing part is just like we flicked a switch and we're back to normal over. You know, like the masks are gone. No one's really like talking about COVID. We're just, we're just like, it's 2019 again, baby. And um, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm here for it. You know, it's been a, it's been a pretty shit ride. So, you know, um, I'm feeling like very awesome right now. We just got through a really great tour with our friends in Beartooth, put out the new record literally on Friday. And uh, I just got home pretty much from all that. So I'm like, taking a second now to you know chill and it feels great 
are you are you over being off tour? Like, are you back in, or are you just still raring to go? Like, you might have a show tonight. No, I'm I'm pretty ready to to chill. <laughs> you know, um, I I might have got walked in my house last night and like laid down with my bag, like with my backpack still on for a while, just like <laughs> the full on like walk up, just like crash on the bed and stay there for a maybe too long. Uh, you know. So I, I am definitely ready to have a little bit of time to, to kind of chill before uh, I guess the next thing we're doing is slam dunk. I, I'm ready for that little break, but also by the t- I know by the time beginning of June comes around, I'll be ready to uh, to get back out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it must be a weird experience in the way because Silverstein have always been a band who have toured nonstop throughout the years. There's some years you've played like 300 plus shows in your back catalog. So I'm sure having yeah. all that downtime where you were just home, obviously you were busy working on new music, your podcast and everything like that. But it must have been like quite weird to, to not be on the road as much and have like the biggest break you've ever had from touring really. Dude, it was it was so weird, man. Um yeah, and and you make a good point there. We really never stopped. We 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 started touring at uh, this time of year in 2003, so that's um, that's 19 years ago. We started, you know, we pushed this, we pushed this boat off to sea. You know what I mean? And it never stopped. It never went back home. I mean, I mean, we had breaks where we made records and breaks where we wrote songs, but we never said like, okay, we're gonna take like six months off and not do anything. That never happened. So. It was literally nonstop go, 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 go until like a few weeks after I saw you guys in London in 2020. And then it was like this forced break, which was really hard for us to kind of cope with and understand because it had been 17 years of nonstop like go, go, go. So it's been pretty, pretty weird. Uh, and it feels amazing to be to be back at it, you know. But yeah, man, it's uh, uh, <laughs> I don't I didn't like it. I didn't like it. You know, <laughs> didn't like it much. You know. Well, what did you do? What did you do to cope during those times? What was there anything you did? Was there anything you took up? Well, um, you know that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like a boring, he's like kind of a boring dude. He's like, doesn't want to do anything. He's scared of everything. And then one day he's like, I'm going to say yes to everything. That was literally me. It was at, at like when this pandemic started, I was like, had this kind of irrational fear of like losing my house and going broke and having to eat like nothing but cans of food. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. whatever. It was just weird because, because we were, we were doing this huge tour in 2020 in the middle of it, you know, it was all of our money for the year was like kind of gone. I was like, okay, what what can I do? So, oh, you want to? Hey, Shane, you want to sing on like this song that you probably shouldn't sing on? Oh, sure, I'll do it. You know, start another podcast. Sure, I'll start another podcast. Or or all of this this shit, uh, whether it was like cryptocurrency stuff or NFTs or or just even just songwriting sessions, Twitch. You know, all of these different platforms, I was like just jumping in with both feet on. So uh, in 2020, 2021, man, I was like, I was busier than ever, but doing (laughs) unfamiliar, 
you know, activities, which I think in some ways was good for me to get a little outside of my comfort zone, but also like sort of tiring and scary and like just maybe not always so much fun. That's that's what I did and I don't know. It was it was like overall I look back at at it and I don't love the experience, but I think it's now part of it's just because I'm like holy shit like I forgot how awesome it is to just like be in a band and like go play shows and like come home. It's like yeah, and do it again. Like that's all right. That's great. That's that's what I'm used to. Yeah, how was that first show back for you? Kind of weird. Um well the first show back we did was a drive-in show. So we oh, yes. played this, you know, like classic American drive-in movie <laughs> setup where they put this stage in the middle of a field and all these cars just straight up like drove up and in lines and people were like hanging out in the back of their pickup trucks and it was it was weird, man. And you know, I, I played um I played a cover of of the Beatles drive my car just so I could have them do the beep 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 yeah like literally just just so I could have that moment and that was cool but it was weird dude like it was that was a weird you know one of the weird things we did and said yes to um so when we when we came back to do you know our first like actual show back it was cool but at the same time you know we we weren't sure like should we be doing this like People, some people wearing masks, some people aren't. Is that all right? Do we have a responsibility of, you know, are we spreading death, you know, because people want to see our stupid band play music? Like, is, is this important? And I think at first it felt a little bit like we weren't sure if it was the right thing to do. Um, of course, now it doesn't feel that way anymore. I guess we're all over it. We're just over it now. But to answer your question, like it felt, I mean, it felt great to be back up there and back on stage and, and rocking out. And people are just so damn excited because hadn't seen anything in a couple of years. So, yeah. Well, it's nice to see that you guys are back at it and live music does seem to be uh, a little bit safer at the moment. But I really want to get into this new record, Shane. Obviously, Misery Made Me mm-hmm. just dropped it. It's your 10th album. But over the last few years, I've kind of had this feeling where Silver Seems grown into a band that maybe people wouldn't have expected to you over the years, but you've always had this kind of unrestricted rules. Like there's so many songs in your back catalog, which is could be considered emo, post-hardcore, metal, acoustic, punk, whatever. Do you feel like as the band has grown older, you've really played on that a bit more where there is really no rules for Silverstein. You kind of fit in all these subgenres, but don't at the same time. Yeah, man, you hit the nail on the head. We've never been, we've never been a band that has fit on any tour perfectly. You know, we've we've been the heavy band on lots of like pop punk, more pop punk tours, and we've been the light band on metal tours. And you know, once in a while, sure, we'll tour with with somebody like Senses Fail. That it kind of makes sense, but you know, those tours don't happen all the time. So we're used to being not fitting, you know, exactly into any box. And I think that we've always embraced that. And it's kind of nice like to be able to just be a diverse artist and have a lot of different sounds and different textures and different tones we can go for, whether it's like vocally I'm just 
fucking screaming my head off trying to do the most low guttural crazy shit I do or I'm like literally playing an acoustic guitar and it's like you know I'm singing super quiet or falsetto so I'm able to do those things and our band chooses to embrace those different things and some of our songs are heavy some of our songs are really poppy some are soft some are fast some are slow and it's great because we never get bored of you know what we're working on because we can work on anything um but the interesting thing you bring up, man, is the is the the idea of the rules, you know, and what you're like allowed to do as a, a emo band or a punk band or a hardcore band. And I think the last couple of records, we've really just thrown those rules out of the fucking window because we realize like no one cares about like what punk bands used to do. Um, like, oh, you can't add program drums or you can't put like a synth here. And you can't you can't put like layers and layers of vocals like that's not punk that's not you know whatever and at some point we were like well wait a second like first of all we're not a punk band second of all why if no one cares why do we care and maybe we should just think about what's right for the song and what is going to make the song sound good and pleasing to the ears so a while back we we just started doing that and started saying hey you know what like if the song needs some insp- instrumentation or vocal idea or whatever, that's something we haven't done before. Just because we haven't done it done it before doesn't mean we shouldn't. So I think we threw a lot of the rules out the window. And when we did that, it was a liberating experience. And you know, over the years, every time we've taken a chance with that kind of stuff, it seems to have paid off. So we we take a little more chances, and it seems like. People are, are on board for it. And that's the thing. I think it keeps everything very interesting as well. Because as you said, a live performance, you're doing so many different kinds of styles vocally. And I'm sure just kind of when you're in a studio or writing these songs, you just you feel different things every day. And that just kind of reflects in, in the music, really. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, absolutely. You know, I think, I think it's, it's a way to express different emotions, too. Like, if if we were just a heavy band, um, I'm sh- you know obviously lyrically you can change it up and you know you don't have to write about heavy things you know like that in that way. But the fact that we're able to reflect back on the last two years of the anger and the frustration that we faced in some of our heavier songs, but also be able to really reflect emotionally on the turmoil and and the issues that we had all on the same album i think that's really like a relatable human experience for people because we've we all felt those emotions and and that anger and frustration and everything else over the last little while which is exactly what misery made me needed to be as a record it needed to be a record that expressed that and did it in a relatable way not just for us, for our own creative out- outlet and to get our own shit out, but for other people to feel the vibe with that, you know? You mentioned there about being too heavy for some tours and then too light for some others. Is there any that stand out where you felt like you were the, the odd one out? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go back to 2008. I think it was 2008 when we uh, opened for Avril Lavigne in Japan. Oh, wow. that was weird. Wow. 
That was a weird one. That was a weird one. <laughs> yep. Bet, we, uh, yeah. we we had the same management, so we were able to get on those shows. And it was crazy. Like it wasn't just go to Japan and play Tokyo, maybe Osaka and come home. It was like two weeks. Like so many places we played, multiple shows. We played the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo. And then the wrestling venue. <laughs> it was crazy. The Tokyo Dome, and then we did two other um, arena shows there too. So it was like just in just in Tokyo was like I don't know a hundred thousand tickets. It was bizarre, <laughs> man. And um, we had no business being on this tour. I mean, we we it's Avril Lavigne. All of her fans were like young Japanese girls. They'd never heard screaming before. <laughs> so so we were very aware of this. So we started. We started the uh, the tour off playing like kind of the the more soft stuff, you know, the pop punk esque stuff, not so much the metal stuff, you know. And um, the, that's the great thing about our band is that we can do that if we have to. So we did that, and it was like not going that great. It was like fine, you know. And then at some point, we were like maybe three shows in, we were like, you know what? Let's just let's just play. Like let's just do like. The same set we would do on like Warp Tour or something. So we started off with like screaming and everything. And the crowd was very freaked out. But kind of over the half an hour or whatever we were playing, we sort of started to win them over to, to the point where like every time I would scream, they would cheer. It was <laughs> really, really, really strange. Um, really, really strange. And I don't know if we got that much out of it, honestly. Like I wish, I kind of was hoping like it's like, all right, we're going to go back and then we're going to play the Tokyo Dome. Like, that never fucking happened. Um, it was just too bizarre. But that's got to be the weirdest out-of-place one uh, we've ever we've ever done. Yeah, that's in, that's absolutely insane. Like, I'm I'm a massive Avril Lavigne fan, and I know she does so well in, like, Canada, the States, and across Europe. But in Japan, it's a complete other world because she has such a dedicated fan base there. So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm just imagining that was just kind of, like, its own kind of universe, really. Yeah. It's wild. In fact, the, the odd thing about, about talking about this is Avril Lavigne is playing in my little town tonight down at Windsor, Ontario at the casino. And I, uh, I've got a ticket. So I'm going to go down and see Avril Lavigne after uh, all these years. Wow. A little bit jealous. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's come yeah. full circle today. That's insane. It's it, 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 kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Maybe that's yeah. why it's in my head, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But but speaking of those like tours over the years, as you said, you've been able to play with people like Avril Lavigne, Simple Plan, but then go on the road with Beartooth, Anti Infliction. You've played so many warp tours. Like, is there anyone in particular that stands out and kind of that was impressed you guys so much, or maybe you have to up your game just because... Oh, Shane. Leave it now, Shane. Don't do it, Shane. You don't have to say it. Listen, it's fine. Look, oh, just say man. no. Just say, just say you're the top of your game and you've, you're better than all other bands. I won't take offense to it. It's all good. Carry on. I mean, the dual vocal action of the blackout. Which is, <laughs> man, that was just hard. That was hard to, to compete with, you know? Um, two people doing one man's job, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy fat fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's not Hollywood Undead either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't even fucking stop me. <laughs> no, man, dude, um, that's a great question. There's just so many. I think some of the bands that, that 
kind of took us under their wing early and sort of taught us how to, how to do it. I think that the top band I think about is Rise Against. Oh. You know, they they brought us out when we were a really, really young band. Our first album had like just come out and they believed in us. And then when we got a little bit bigger, they brought us out again for their, you know, biggest US tour at the time. And just good people just treat us like we're a part of their band and crew, you know, not like we're just some, uh, you know, second class citizens. They, they were really, really always so nice to us. And we tried to instill that, you know, in our, in our camp and, and make everyone on a tour feel like they're a part of, of, you know, something we're trying to do here, you know? So th- that, that to me is, is the, the band. There's been some other ones over the years that just, just like are so good live, like story of the year. Oh mm. man, I hated playing after them. They're just, they're just so <laughs> such a good live band. It's like every single time you're like, oh man, really? We got to play now. Uh, yeah. you know, the Blackout um, once supported them. Uh, they their tour support like dropped out last minute. We got offered to support them. We were about the same level, as him, and we just said yes, just so we could watch them do fucking backflips and skateboard every <laughs> yeah. night. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, these are unbelievable. Yeah, they're unbelievable, and and uh, Dan's one of my favorite people. So no, I mean, I could I could just. There's so many bands, and, and I'm I'm probably gonna forget some other people. I mean, like Anti Flag is one of my favorite bands to tour with. Like they're just those guys are so so rad in everything they do, both on the music side and just like you know on how they treat people and and how they they run their business and everything. They're they're amazing. So no, I I could go on and on, but um, it's it is great that that there are so many incredible bands, incredible people out there, you know, to align yourself with. Oh, quick question. When did you see any of Hollywood and Dead last? Uh, I've had them on the podcast a couple times. Uh, um, oh, so a you've bunch had of them. Different guys. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so you've had them on your podcast, right? <laughs> but I don't know. Nor me? Uh, <laughs> uh, fair enough, Shane. It's all right. I understand. I get it now. Carry on, more. Keep asking questions. I'm going to be sulking for the rest of this. <laughs> but spe- speaking of, of tour and life, something we like to bring up every now and again is like a kind of um, just tour luxuries that people on that on a normal day sound like very basic, but when you're on the road for so long, literally seem like a, a very high luxury. The Offspring have told us about uh, certain showers. Is there anything like that that comes to mind with you as either as a vet having a vending machine nearby or a sofa couch near to uh, a plug socket? Anything when you're on the tour and you see you've got that in the backstage area, they're like, oh my God, yes, this this is what I need. People get excited about a plug near a couch. These fucking lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> this is really... Do you, realize, do you realize what you're doing? How far you've come in your life? How many millions of people want to do what you do and you're worried about plugging in your fucking phone where you can sit what that people really answer with this shit yeah you'd be surprised well oh my yeah. god but what, but what you're forgetting is shane people over here complain if you are playing 30 minutes away from them if, right if the, if it's gonna take a slight walk to charge their computer <laughs> the lazy bastards are gonna be upset so that seems to be the that seems to be the running theme my God. Um, if there even is a shower, that's great. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, I, damn, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really, um, I really struggle with these kinds of questions because, like, 
I don't know, man. It's like I'm just I've been living my life this way for a long time. Shit is often not great uh, with how things are are aligned and working out. I also think that what we're doing as touring musicians and touring bands is very fucking unnatural. Um, so like, I'm just amazed every day. Like, I go to bed in a moving vehicle. <laughs> and I wake up and I'm in a new place. It's like time traveling. It is absolutely bizarre. And um, that that rules to me. So if I have to use kind of a subpar shower uh, or, or, or have to like, yeah, plug my phone in and maybe not touch it for a little while while it charges, I'll survive, you know, to be able to tour the tour the world and 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 play and play music. But. I'll tell you what, what a big game changer has been in, in the modern day is food delivery, dude. The oh. fact that you can get food delivered pretty much anywhere at any time is like so, so huge, man. It used to not be like that. Like you're playing in the middle of nowhere. It's like, fuck. Uber, Uber's so huge, man. Like being able to just be like, oh, okay, I got a car. It's 10 minutes away. I don't have to find a taxi number of some random ass city and maybe I'm not calling the right taxi number. I'm calling like the, the shitty one that only has like three cars and who knows what's going to happen and how expensive it's going to be. So Uber food delivery and like Uber Lyft, all that shit has been the biggest game changer for touring. I think. Well, you mentioned there that obviously you guys have been doing the band for over 22 years now. And in that a lot has changed and really just on the surface of things, you know, Misery Made Me is your 10th record. And I'm sure looking back in a way, it's just surreal that you've been able to do as much as you've done to make 10 albums because we all know so many that really don't get the chance to do two or three. So to have the career that you guys uh, have already had still going strong and continuing, it must just be nice sometimes to look back at and, and see everything you've done. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's, it's just absolutely crazy. 10 records, like... I don't know. I, I mean, growing up, I don't know if any of my favorite bands had 10 records, mm. you know? Like, maybe, like, Black Sabbath, but there's only, like, five of them with Ozzy, so, like, do those even count, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I honestly, like, and, and when you when you get into, you know, punk or hardcore, um, you know, I don't know, maybe Bad Religion might have had 10 records at that point, but I don't even think, I don't even think so. It, it's, like, really, really surreal to, that we've gotten to a point that not only did we never think we would get to, it was almost like unheard of for for bands because as you guys remember, you know, it's like all my favorite punk and hardcore bands, like they'd put out two records and break up. And that's exactly what I thought we would do. Well, actually, I, before that, I never thought we'd put out any records or tour or anything because the band was like literally a side project in a basement for fun. But then as things grew, it was like, okay, we'll probably put out like one or two records have fun on tour for a couple of years and then go back to like real, real life. So the fact that we've been able to carve out like, the, you know, a career, which is a ridiculous term to me, has been so, so crazy, man. And, and it, that it's kept going and that our band has survived the different trends of, you know, things that are popular or aren't or all the crazy shit that's happened in the world. And that we've just continued to put out records consistently just about every two years uh, for, for the last, well, since 2003, 
almost 20 years. It's really crazy to me. It's not, it's not lost on me how rare that is. And, uh, I don't, I don't take it for granted, man. I, I, I think the biggest thing with us is we don't take it for granted and we are very grateful that we're able to do this. So when we go to the studio to make an album, we don't phone it in, man. We, we work hard on getting this shit together, writing songs that don't suck. And the songs don't, if the songs do suck, then we write until they don't suck. And then, you know, and we continue to work on them and then we record them and we, we book more recording time for each record than the last one. You know what I mean? We give ourselves more time because records don't get easier to make. They just don't. And I think a lot of bands, I don't know if it's they become complacent, if they think their songs are better than they are, if they kind of lose their self-awareness or what it is. A lot of bands make records that get worse and worse and worse. And we are really, really pushing ourselves to make records that get better and better and better. And uh, I think that's the reason we have 10 of them because that's always been our, that's always been our, our uh, mantra. Is that the right word? I don't know. It's always been our goal, our focus. And when you think about it, really, 10 records is a lot of songs, especially when you come into consideration about like B-sides and additional tracks, EPs, acoustic versions, all that malarkey. But on a lyrical perspective, like how do you make sure you draw from different influences now and say things that you haven't already said throughout the years? Is there anything like you've noticed or any techniques that have worked or is it just getting older and and finding those different experiences to draw from? Honestly, uh, part of it is getting the other guys in the band to write lyrics. (laughs) That's that's really helping. Um, They have, yeah, they they haven't written like, yeah, 120 or 150 fucking songs um, like I have. So it's like for them to be able to contribute now and shout out to Paul Mark, you know, our guitar player for, for becoming just an incredible songwriting writer and lyricist. Like he helps me out big time because there's times, man, when like I'll be writing, writing a song and I'll come up with like a cool line and I'll be like, have I said this before? Like, have I, have I used this analogy or this wording or like anything? And I'll have to Google it, dude. <laughs> I'll Google, I'll Google Silverstein and then the line and lyric, and then I'll see what comes up. And most of the time, I, I it I haven't used it right, but once in a while, I'll be like, "Fuck, I did use like that idea or that word before, like a lot, you know? Oh, I I shouldn't use that word." And then it's like, okay, well, back to the drawing board. So now to write, now it's instead of it taking me, you know an hour to write this verse. Now it's going to take me like two or three hours to write this verse. And it's like, the reality is, man, it's like, I, I, I don't want to write bad shit. I want to write the best shit I can that I am stoked about. Not like, okay, that's fine. That's okay. I want to write something that I'm like, holy fuck, I'm a genius. That's how I want to feel when I'm writing and creating. I don't want to feel like, well, it's here's another song. It's like average. You know what I mean? So for me, I think I'm pushing myself lyrically when I get a chance to write. But also I think I'm not I'm not stubborn and I'm not like gonna say, okay, well I'm the I'm the singer of this band. It's like if somebody else has lyrics or experience or an idea, I'm never gonna stifle them. 
And I never have in, in our band's career. Just right now, over the last um, couple records, Paul Mark has just become an absolute monster writing lyrics. So give him the floor. Give him the pen. Go ahead. You know, it's, 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 it's sometimes he writes stuff that's like, I swear, like is right from my heart. Like I felt, I feel it as, as even more so than my own stuff I'm writing. So that's, that's like, that's a really, really cool thing. Oh, well, was there a certain moment where that idea really came to fruition with having other people in the band write those lyrics? Because as you said, I think a lot of other vocalists in bands are just frontmen and anything would have that kind of ego trip maybe sometimes to think, well, I'm the one singing these, like they're my lyrics, this is my thing. But to see that you're kind of really open to that is, is really refreshing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think I think it happened... Like he, Paul Mark joined the band in 2013 and the record, um, or 2012, and the record in 2013 we put out, I think I wrote just about all of the lyrics on that one. He wrote some of the music. And then the, the next record was, a, he was he'd been in the band for a couple of years and we, we kind of wrote the record together, but he, he took the reins on a lot of the music. And there was a couple of songs that he had written musically that he'd sent me. And I was like, dude, I'm like a little stumped here on like, not not lyrics, not words, but like, what am I going to do vocally? Like, are you thinking I should scream on this part? Should I sing like this? Should I sing fast? Should I sing slow? Should I sing dramatic? Like, what are you thinking? Because I have an idea, but like, I'm not really sure. And then he would be like, oh, well, I'm thinking like maybe something like this. And then he would just do it. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, that's amazing. Why are you even asking me? If you've got an idea in your head of what this should be and it's that good, then dude, then just, I'm not, you know, I don't want to like take away from your vision here. So that happened on a couple songs on the 2015 album. And then from there, it's just been like a lot of times he comes in with stuff and it's like, hey, here's, here's an inst- I have an instrumental and I have one with a vocal. If you want to try to sing over the instrumental, you know, and like maybe we'll come up with something cooler than what I already have. But uh, at the same time, like sometimes like his shit's just so dialed in because he's an incredible musician that it's like, well, why? I'll, I'll write, I'll write my own songs. I'll write other stuff. And that's what, that's what Misery made me, a lot of what Misery made me the new album is, is, uh, is us writing separately because we couldn't really get together, you know? Um, yeah. As long as Paul doesn't write anything like, but you, well, you were reading it back or you were recording with, our fucking singer is a dick. Oh, what? what? Paul! You just said that. Paul, you made me sing that I'm a dick. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be kind of fucked up, actually. Yeah, writing songs about what a, what a prick someone else in the band is. Yeah, that would be dark, man. I'm sure that happens. Probably all the Oasis songs, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. I love the idea of him having you sing like, look how gorgeous our guitarist is. <laughs> oh. Hey, he's, oh. A, he's a good looking, he is a good looking man. So that would not be, that would be accurate. Yeah. I can't wait for the next, the next record now. If Paul hears this and he won't, but if he does hear this, oh, that's it. The next record is going to be you singing how great Paul is all, all, the, all the time. There we go. Genius. <laughs> but, the band started in the early days as that kind of side project and just kind of in each other's basements as a, as an other outlet. But I mean, next year, 2023 is the uh, 
20th year anniversary of your debut record. Was there a moment like in in that kind of process when Victory Records got involved and everything that changed the game for you a bit and felt like, oh, actually, this this is going to be the thing rather than just something on the side for us? Oh, yeah, man. It was the Victory signing and the fact that Victory wanted to put out our music was like everything, man. Like before that, we weren't trying even really trying that hard to be a serious band. Uh, we we were just a local band, you know, and and we took it seriously. Like we wanted to, you know, do our best with our recordings, and you know, we wanted to like do. We did some touring, like very small, you know, touring in Canada and stuff. But we didn't have aspirations to be, uh, you know, a band that puts out ten records. That's for sure. So yeah, so when when we got the phone call from Victory, uh, that was when it was like, okay, maybe we can actually do this. And it's it's really funny that it was Victory of all labels because our original guitar player is name his name's Richard. Uh, he started the band with Josh, and he left the band kind of as we were start just kind of getting started because he he went to uh, to university other side of Canada. So he's like, hey, yeah, like, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't know if I can really do this. I was going to come back for the summer and figured we'd maybe work on stuff, but now I'm not going to come home for summer. So like, it's a long time to, to, to not do it. So like, I think I'm going to leave the band. If you guys want to keep the band going, it's cool. And then he said, this is the best part. He said, it's not like we're going to get signed to Victory Records or anything. (laughs) <laughs> literally said that he literally oh, said that wow so um so how did you break funny, it to him how did you break it to him well when we got well what what happened was is we actually when we got signed to victory and we got the contract and everything i called him and i was like hey man um you're not gonna believe this <laughs> <laughs> and and i i offered him the position in the band I said, oh. you know, if you want to come back, you know, you started this band, your guitar playing is is like, I mean, he wrote some of those really intricate, like clean riffs and stuff on the on the um, first album. And he's a, a, an absolutely amazing, very creative guitar player and the best dude. So um, I was like, hey, man, if you want to, if you want to come back in the band, if you want to do this, uh, we'll, we'll have you. And he's like, oh, I couldn't do that to Neil. You know, and Neil's been you know Neil's been in the band now for like a year and whatever, and and we were like, well, we we thought it was the right thing to do to like ask you if you wanted to to rejoin the band, and uh, he he said, no, I'm okay, and he's doing just fine now. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's an engineer. He does all this like designs all this crazy audio stuff. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he does, but he's a, he's a really smart guy. And doing well, so yeah. So it's it's really funny that that um that that's that was a little funny anecdote. But but to answer your question about about those days, the victory days, and everything, and and yeah, man, it was it was weird to be all of a sudden like go from just these five Canadian kids, just kind of uh, on the surface level, like just doing whatever we wanted to do, to to being talked about in the same breath as Taking Back Sunday and you know, and Thursday and, and then some, some other bands we really liked, like, uh, like poison the well. And, and it was like really weird all of a sudden to be like, okay, we're a part of this now. Cause it happened 
pretty quickly because of what victory meant at the time. It was like any band they signed, at least for those couple years, like definitely you're gonna get out there. You're gonna get your 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 shit heard, you know. Well, how did um did it all end amicably with victory? Because I know a lot of people uh, from different bands have had different stories. Um, no, and any band that says it did is probably was probably lying out of fear. Is my take. Now we had a. I will say this though, we had a pretty good relationship with Victory, relatively speaking. Like if you compare it to like the Hawthorne Heights suing or a Data Remember suing or or. Uh, you know the stories I heard about Thursday and Hatebreed and uh, like all these all these bands that just had had the worst time because we kind of knew how to play ball a little bit. We kind of knew how to we we knew knew kind of where to how to approach it. I think and kind of let them dictate things and and only put our you know know how to pick our battles and and stuff like that. Right and um. So it wasn't too bad. I think part of it too was Tony, the owner of Victory. He he found us kind of himself. Well, at least that's what he told himself. So we he always felt like we were his kind of his baby band that he brought from nothing. So I think that he had like quite a bit of pride in that. So in some ways, maybe we got had it a little bit easier. Uh, but probably also it was because we didn't really bitch and complain. Uh, as much as other bands, so he probably probably liked that. But it was it was a weird time. So we we signed to Victory for four albums. After the well, after the first one, we we kind of knew we were like, oh shit, this is kind of fucked up. Uh, we 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 maybe don't want to. Maybe four was too much, but we're just gonna kind of ride this out. You know, we're gonna we we signed this contract. They brought us here from nothing. Like we're not gonna try to leave or anything. We're just going to try to make the best of the situation. But uh, when we put out the fourth album called A Shipwreck in the Sand, Victory was like, they really wanted to re-sign us. And we didn't want to say flat out, like, there is no fucking way in hell we're re-signing <laughs> with you. Because that's how we felt. But we, but we wanted, you know, but we didn't want them to get pissed and then also like shelve the record because... And that's not that's not even like a fuck you on their part. That's like, well, if we don't have your future catalog, why would we invest in your band right now? Right? It's just that's just a that's just a business decision, right? I I understand that. So we had to kind of like dodge their calls for a while and be like, no, 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 like we're you know we're a free agent, so we have our we're keeping our options open. But like you know, we've loved being like a part of the Victory family or like <laughs> yeah. you know whatever we yeah. had to say. And we stalled. We stalled for like a year, man. And then we 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 were able to get a bunch of cash to do like a live album, which was cool because I think Tony thought, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna get them to do this live album, and I'm gonna give them more out more money than it's worth," and then kind of guilt them into resigning. We it there was no way we were gonna resign. <laughs> so just no <laughs> way. So yeah. so we so we ended up. Yeah. So in the in the end, we got a little extra cash from the, that live record, and um, but it was tough, man. Like after the the post victory years, because like we'd get these statements. I mean, even when we were on victory, we'd get these statements that we like, the fuck is this? This doesn't even make, this doesn't even add up. Like literally, mm. like this, like one like one plus three is is 
wait is one how's that work you know like <laughs> yeah. there's a th- there's a but there's a three there why did yeah. you say one like it didn't it was it was wild so um recently victory uh got sold to uh to concord you know big great company and it's been a lot better figuring out now the the dollars and cents of all that stuff um but still though like we can't go back we can't go back 18 years and be like so that statement was like a little weird uh you you know it doesn't work like that unfortunately we definitely paid our dues let's say let's put it that way we put paid our dues in the industry ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, oh no, that's that's for sure. Well, Shing, as we start to wind down here, just a few more things I want to uh, get your takes on. Obviously, we've talked a lot about different songs and kind of aspects of your life and uh, songwriting lyrics and all that. But I want to touch a little bit on your solo project, River Oaks, because there was a time mm-hmm. period where it seemed that you were really excited about that. There's a few songs, you did a lot of tours of Hawthorne Heights, but since... It's kind of not being mentioned as much. Was that just kind of a project at the time for you? Or is it just, is everything else just being so busy that you haven't really been able to get back to it in a lot of ways? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I've been asked this a lot over the years. And I can't imagine, I can't, I can't, I can't believe how much time has gone by since I put out those three songs or since I wrote those three songs. Cause that came out in 2016. I want to say I recorded that in like maybe 2014. Um, wrote those songs in like 2013. So we're we're talking about like these are like 10 year old songs now, and it's the only thing I've put out from the project. And I think they're pretty good songs. And, and yeah, it was just it was just a weird thing. I, I started the podcast Lead Singer Syndrome in the end of 2015 ish, and then I put out the solo stuff in 2016. And I fully thought um, by the end of 2016 I would have another solo record ready to go like a full a full length album i mean not just dp but i had a kind of a personal life uh derailment 
I went through some. 2016 was the worst year of my life for sure, and I went through a bunch of bunch of horrible um, missteps and bad shit happened to me, and I really had to put the the idea of recording my solo debut album just on ice for a little bit. And at the same time as that was happening, the podcast was was blowing up. And as you guys know, man, recording a podcast is a lot of work. Yeah. To do this a week week after week, try not to take any weeks off. Um, you know, find guests. Um, I don't know if you guys do like your own editing and and, yeah. and your own yeah. like you know all that stuff. Like I did everything myself, even even the artwork, and I suck at artwork. So. You know, um, like it was a lot, I think. So then with the podcast really emerging uh, through 2016, uh, I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. I, I'm really enjoying this. This is like totally different for me. And then 2017, Silverstein, we're okay. We're back at it. We're making another record. Uh, everyone really liked that record. Our band is blowing up again. We're getting bigger than ever. We're touring more and more. And then it just kept... It just kept on keeping on with like Silverstein being so busy. My podcast keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it was like, okay, I'm writing songs. I'm writing these solo songs here and there. And some of them I've written, I really like, but has there been this window where it's like, okay, I'm going to go make a record, put out songs and then want to do some shows and all that. I I just, I haven't found the time, but I can't believe it's been six years (laughs) since I put out that stuff. That's just crazy, you know? And, You'd think that COVID would have been a perfect opportunity for me to get that together. But um, part of it was during COVID, it was kind of hard for me to write. I think I just had a lot going on in my head. And, and I, I wasn't... Even the Silverstein stuff, like it took us a while to kind of get in the right headspace to write. And, and, um, and I just, like I said before, I was saying yes to everything else. So everything, the, my solo stuff just seems like it's the last thing that I'm going to get to. It's like on the bottom of this pile, this mountain of of things to get to. But thanks for asking about it. And I encourage people to check it out. River Oaks, there's three songs up on Spotify. And I think they're pretty cool still after all these years. And hopefully I can do some more stuff um, ASAP. I've got songs. I've written a bunch of songs. I just have to kind of figure out if they're good and uh <laughs> and get someone to record them for me you know yeah well yeah hopefully hopefully they'll see that the light of day um at some point but talking about lead singer syndrome as well obviously you've been doing the podcast for many many years speaking to vocalists and all sorts of musical journeys throughout the years but i think i was just wondering like as a vocalist yourself is it being any stories from those conversations or takes on how people do stuff that's made you kind of think about taking it into what you do like is there anyone that's kind of had a unique method or just anything that's that's really shined with you and that you've wanted to to take on board a bit it's a great question man i think the biggest thing i've learned as a singer from the podcast is it's helped my confidence as a singer because I always felt like a bit of a fraud. Like I'm a guitar player. There's a guitar player within reach of me right now. <laughs> I'm a like I'm a guitar player. I'm not a singer. I'm the only guy in the room that could carry a tune, and and I became the singer of Silverstein. But I don't feel like I'm a singer, and you know, and I I don't 
know if I'm even a good singer, right? This is how I always felt. And talking to, you know, over 300 other singers now, so many people feel that way. So many people are are bass players or drummers or guitar players that fell into it the same way I did. Everyone sucks at singing when they start. Like no when you're a kid and you sing, you suck. Everyone sucks <laughs> and you get better, right? But sometimes that is a certain that that forms a certain, you know, like you know, everyone else you just think everyone else is a better singer than you. You know what I mean? And then there's people like Anthony Green or Tillian or um, you know, like actual good singers and you're like, "Fuck, like but they're actually good." And even those guys sometimes don't even think they're good singers. So, you know, so being able to um pick these pick these other people's brains and and, and like sort of realize like we're all the same. We all have the same fears. That's like allowed me to I think thrive a little bit and start to realize like, hey, I, I've been at this a long time. Maybe I am like decent. Maybe I'm like a decent singer. And I think that that's really helped my confidence. You know, and in terms of like the technical stuff, you know, I think maybe you're, maybe that's part of the question you're asking. Not really like, you know, I don't know. Everyone warms up and maybe cools down and, you know, and like it sucks when you're sick, you know, on tour, like it's, it sucks. So what are you going to do? Those like technical things, I think I roll with the punches with those things. But I think so much of singing is mental. So much of it, like maybe more, maybe more than I ever thought could be to the point where I think the mental game of singing has been the the thing that's been the most important with uh, the podcast and learning from it. Well, yeah, from from my opinion, I feel like um, confidence is definitely a big key with anything like that. Like. Yeah, go into it, and you're confident about it. You're going to perform better, and it's going to come across better, and people are going to see that in you. Rather than if somebody goes out there with no confidence whatsoever, you can you can just see it in them when they're on stage. Yeah. Well, I, I always felt like I always felt like you know even with the blackout, and I, I like I mean I love playing with you guys, and I always thought you guys are such a a great band and so much energy. But it was always it was always cool. I thought because you know. You were that, you were that, like, you oozed confidence on stage. Like, you were that guy, Sean. Like, you were, you were the, the energy. And then Gavin, who was definitely, I mean, no offense, a much better singer than you, he didn't have that as much. He was more, he was more late. That's this week's episode. That's this week's episode of Something Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, former friend of the podcast and friend of myself, Shane Toll. Um Check out Silverstein's. But you know what? Don't bother with Silverstein's new record. Fuck it up. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I I know. I I heard it too. I was there too, Shane. <laughs> you were there too. But I always thought it was interesting. It's like it's like sometimes the the it's like are you le- are you less of a, a a confident like presence on stage because you're more. You know, I'm not saying saying you or or Gavin. I'm just saying anybody. Like, if you're that much more confident in your vocal abilities, do you not feel like you have to overcompensate by, you know, jumping around and and running running around and breaking things? Or is it like, do people do that? It's like, well, I can't really sing, so I'm just gonna like smash some shit. You know what I mean? And like put on a show. Like, I think there's definitely if you think of someone like Anthony Kiedis, maybe like guy's a dog shit singer. 
Uh, but he's a pretty good front man, right? You yeah, know, like yeah, there's true. There's people like that. Um, and then there's of course there's people like Jason Butler who like are definitely good at both. Uh, yeah. You know, but um, but for sure, I think I think that that's you're right, Sean. About like you have to ooze confidence as a vocalist. You have to. That's and that's such a big thing. And I think the better maybe you think you are, uh, the better maybe you are. You know. <laughs> um, so. Is that just confirmation just now that there will be no lead singer syndrome featuring Anthony Kiedis? <laughs> uh, no, if Anthony wants to come on the show and uh, defend himself, I would love to have him. I would. I am not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I think, Me neither. Uh, over the years, people probably gathered that. Um, however, <laughs> I would absolutely love to pick that guy's brain about what it's like to be just so popular and really mm. just not have any vocal ability whatsoever. That's like <laughs> yeah. that's pretty wild, you know? Yeah. I mean, he makes cool sounds. He ma- he makes cool sounds. He makes cool sounds. He, does, he he makes up words as well. Very good words yeah. making up. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Uh, first question, Anthony. Um how come so big with so little talent. <laughs> oh, Anthony, I know you listen every week, so that was just a joke on my part, but it was Shane told who slagged you off. So remember that, keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. No, do, uh, do, wow. sapping, do the sapping in podcast, not lead singer syndrome, yeah, if you're listening. Um, no, but speaking of lead singer syndrome and um, Silverstein and tour in life, yes, friend of our podcast, is going on tour with you guys in the States. That's Lucas Woodland of Holding Absence. Oh, yeah. That's going to be oh, a yeah. superb tour. It's unbelievable. I love Holding Absence. I love that record so much. I think it's one of the best records, period, of the like the last five years. And um, Lucas, I had him on my show. The guy is such a sweetheart. All I'm hearing now, reports, reports coming in, is that this guy absolutely makes other singers look stupid because he's like that good on stage. Like apparently he's incredible live. So I'm like, great, here we go. Um, (laughs) But no, I'm kidding. It's not a contest, but I'm excited because I think there's such a great band recorded and I've never got a chance to see them live, obviously. Um, So I'm I'm really excited to be able to to see them every night because I've heard they're just a force to be reckoned with with this. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, no, he, um, they are, they are a fourth. Like he is unbelievable. Um, but yes, you are headlining, so you can always turn the DB down. <laughs> <laughs> Let him use half the desk. Yeah, I'm gonna be personally. Somewhere. I'm gonna personally go out there during their set. And turn and turn his mic down. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> um, yeah, you're pretty good. Eh, no, yeah. no, 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 sorry, buddy. Sorry. Ooh, yeah. I don't make up yeah. the rules, or do I? <laughs> uh. <laughs> That'd be so good. But yeah, uh, don't, if that if that does happen, we had nothing to do with this. We no, said no. only nice things about them. Um, we didn't. We had no involvement in this plan whatsoever. Um, Wink. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but no, Shane, obviously, uh, it's fantastic to catch up with you again. Always a pleasure talking and seeing you. Very excited for everything Slam Dunk, and hopefully you guys will be over in the UK again very soon. But is, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you would like to plug, mention, that people know about? Please uh, go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is just the new album, Misery Made Me. It's out now. We're excited about this. There's a lot of twists and turns. I think a lot of unexpected uh, songs on this record. It's not like any of the other Silverstein records, both musically and subject matter wise, too. So I think there's a lot there, and I encourage people to check it out. And yeah, man, uh, Slam Dunk is going to be so much fun getting back to all these European festivals. We've missed it so much, too. So we're excited, man, for the rest of the year, just having having such a great album to support. And uh, yeah, just we're just so excited. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. It's, yeah. it's a great nice. feeling. And yeah, listen to our listen to our shit. Come see us live. Yeah, yeah super looking sure. forward to seeing you at Slam Dunk. Um, let's get together and have a uh, glass of water together. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, a glass of a glass of water that they've put some kind of fermented grains in. Uh, okay, perhaps. Cool, yeah, I just yeah, I went for the safety. I went for the safety of water just in case because you okay. never know people are up and down the day with alcohol. Uh, yeah, no, they've put some kind of fermented grains in there and then like let it let it sit for like a long time. <laughs> and yeah, and then we drink it and it's really delicious. Yeah, it's weird. that might that might catch on. Yeah, well, it might do. Yeah, I was thinking we get some poppy seeds. Crush them. Oh, no, it's too far. It's too far. Never mind. What? Too far. Anyway, anyway, we're looking forward to seeing you, man. Thanks again. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you soon. Of course. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good to see you guys doing so well. You listen to the Lovely, 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 lovely. That was lovely Shane told of the awful Silverstein. <laughs> well, it wasn't a joke, didn't I? I said lovely so much that so you all thought that was going to be lovely and I turned out not to be. No, the fantastic bloody Silverstein in it that we all fucking love. You can't not love him. If you don't love him, right? If you're in our world, in our scene, and you don't love Silverstein, um, you're deaf. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. They have a lot of bangers. I got to see him live for the first time at Slam Dunk a couple of months ago what? when we went. I'd never seen him before. I'd what? never seen... I'd, I'd only seen... I think I'd seen a song somewhere live. I'd what? never got to see a full set. So I was very that's pleased with that. Mad. I ah? know, right? They, they checked off my bucket list now, so that's really good. Um, and I was really surprised with how many absolute bangers they could play one after another. Uh, it was really good. It was very, very. I'm trying good. to think of. I'm trying to think of newer, more disappointing bands you've probably seen a couple of times. Oh, I've, I've seen a lot of. I've, you've seen fucking seen. Raiders more than fucking twice. You stupid <laughs> prick. Been more we than twice. We haven't as long as. Yeah, no, Jesus yeah. Christ. Mm. But yet you haven't. You've only seen Silverstein once. There's something fucking wrong with it. Do you know what? I know. You're fired. Whoa! No, I can't be having this. I thought you'd at least <laughs> one of the things I said to you when we started this podcast is have you have you seen Silverstein at least live at least twice? And you said I definitely have done. I Sean, honest now, don't check. I remember I, you saying it. I, I don't. I think you you asked about McFly, and I said yeah. I've no, seen them no, no, I wouldn't ask about McFly. Right. Okay. But the good news with that is I can redeem myself because Silverstein will be coming to the UK in December for two Fucking very special segue. shows. Nice. <laughs> Go on. They're going to be playing Birmingham on the 10th of December and then London on the 11th. And check this out. The support for that tour, those two oh, dates... Better be fucking Raiders. Better be Raiders. Comeback, kid. That's not Raiders, but good. <laughs> and then Senses Fail, which I'm very Fuck excited off, about. Lou. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they'll be real good. 
They want to get one more like fucking, I don't know, like a Welshy type British band mm. opening. Mm. You know, we've got miserable songs about everything mm. is turned to shit. Fuck yeah. Mm. You know, but yeah, mm. nice, good, nice. Silverstein, Census Fail, and the Comeback Kid class. Yes, and of course, Buddy from Census Fail is a previous guest on the podcast. So head over to episode 108. Oof, that's a while ago. 108 to go and check that out. And as mentioned in the conversation for our American friends, they will be doing a massive tour with Amity Infliction and Hold in Absence North America starting August the 25th, right until the start of November. Uh, fair play, Hold in Absence. I think that's going to be a hell of a tour for them. They were recently on our download episode, and then we told Amity Infliction on our Slam Dunk episode to um, terrorize Hold in Absence on that tour. Yeah, I regret saying that now, to be honest, because yeah. um, the boys from Amity Affliction might actually terrorize Holden Absence, who are some of the purest souls I've ever come across in my life, and Ash Green. It's going to be a fantastic tour. Like Anyone who's American who listens to this, number one, why? Also, number two, definitely go to that tour, because you are going to see Holden Absence just before... They end up headlining these fucking tours because I promise you, within a year or two, they will be headlining these fucking venues all over the world. They're about to be fucking massive. Also, Old in Absence are playing trees if they haven't already. They play yesterday, technically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, it would have been yesterday. It's mad doing these in the past and then ultimately <laughs> talking about the future. Yeah, so Old in Absence <laughs> played 2000 trees yesterday. I'm going to, do you know what? I'm going to throw it out there. They were fucking awesome, right? Because <laughs> it's hard for them not to be, because they're class. But yes, that's going to be a fantastic tour. Check out fucking Silverstein. Send fucking Shane our love. And check out his podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, which is definitely missing the most interesting guest he could possibly have who's Welsh. <laughs> but speaking of, wait a minute, I just realised he's had fucking Lucas on his podcast. Lucas Band's only been going about four years. <laughs> Does Lucas know uh, Duff McKagan? Uh, I don't think he does, no. <laughs> Has Lucas ever met Pharrell? Not Fuck that I'm aware of. I, do you yeah. know what? Cancel this episode. Go back, delete everything <laughs> we've said nice about Shane. I'm not having this. <laughs> we're in too deep now. But funny enough, quick question. Hollywood and Dead were mentioned in this episode. Yeah, um, they were, yeah. I just want to ask you a question. Um, hypothetically, if we did yeah. get offered to talk to them, would you, would you want to have them on? It's a tough one, right, for me, because I'm up for chatting to anybody because I love stories, right? Mm. I just want stories from people. Yeah, same. But I don't understand how Hollywood Undead and that Everywhere I Go song, right? Mm -hmm. How that is still being played in nightclubs when mm. they're talking about Charlie Scene, not his real mm. name, I don't think, right? Right. He's got a weenie that he loves to show. So unless they're genuinely talking about the small hot dog, right? I don't know how they've got away with that song still being about and being played places. But yeah, I'm sure they've got some fucking great stories. They've got stories about the time they once supported a band and absolutely fucking hated it in the UK. I know that much. Sounds like um, it. Sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the time they supported us. I think I'd be all right with it, to be mm. honest. There's not many people. Who wouldn't I have on? Who wouldn't I just be like straight up no? Yeah, just thought, so many before people. I put it out there, because there's people going to want to ask after listening to this, so I just thought we put it out there before they do now. Um, but anyway, 
We've talked a lot on this episode. Before we go, of course, we need to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listening, but a giant shout out to our Patreon community. They help this go each and every week. And if you sign up to the Patreon, uh, become a part of our SAP fam, then you get a lot of exclusive bonuses behind the scenes, content, videos, photos, there's playlists, there's bonus podcasts that we haven't even put out to the regular to on our podcast services so you can listen exclusively there and of course the community are the best thing to ever happen they meet up with each other on the regular at gigs at festivals uh, they go on holiday together it's all mad um, so come and join the family at patreon.com forward slash sapnin that's patreon.com forward slash sapnin but as always Sean needs to give a mahusive shout out to the elite members those are the people in the top tiers yeah, so as Morgan said, check out the description of this podcast where he's written out a trillion billion names from the beautiful Patreon community. But we've got to give these special people a thank you. So thank you very much, Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwowe, Janelle Caston, Paul Hirschfield, Mitch Perry, Dilly Grimwood, Tony Michael, Natasha Morris, Nathan Croshaw, Emma Barber, Kelly Owen, Sammy G, Murray Grimwood, Jenny Robertson, trees, 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 trees. Thank you very much. Kieran Olmey, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Tom Owen, Stuart, when do bees get married? When they get their honey, when they meet their honey, honey like Steve Vai makes McNaught. Kayla O'Sullivan, Caroline Robinson, Kate Puttock, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, Jenny Munster, James McNaught, Kelly Cannon, Emily Perry, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, Kalila Keane, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, Ollie, are you the Sean and Morgan of the modern day Tarzan and Jane because they're the royalty of 2000 Trees Amesbury? What? What? Josh, what's Sean and Morgan's favourite Beatles song? Honey Can't Buy Me Love, Crisp. Aww. Thank you very much, Alice Wood, Reese Bowling, Kate Steves, and Kyle Campaign for Steve Vai, Honey David Smith. And last by no means least, Connor Lewins. Thank you very much to all of those people. And I've got to say a massive shout out to Steve Vai for being a liar. Oh, and also Frank Carter offered us, um, promised us, him and the Rattlesnake's new card game would be sent to us. Him and Dean. Call received. him Dean. He's not a plural. <laughs> He's Dean. <laughs> it's Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, a.k.a. Dean. Frank and they- Dean, right, said to us, they've got a fucking card game coming out. Boys, I'll get you a fucking, co- I'll get you a fucking pack each, right? Have yeah. we seen them? No. Have we fuck? Are they out? I don't yeah. know. They've they just out? announced it. They've announced it on their social media this week. So you can you can do they they're holding a pack they have a pack with them so if they've got oh. a pack why haven't we and why haven't yeah. we got Steve by honey we're definitely as important as the makers of the card game and also Steve I come on Steve I know you listen each and every week right do me a favor put the guitar down for five fucking seconds and send some honey to your PR so I can taste that delicious stuff get your superpowers. And be the fingering master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even keep a straight face during that. What are you laughing at? <laughs> what you just described him as. What? Guita- the, the world's greatest guitar player? After that. Uh, I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. But anyway, yes. Anyway, yes. thank you everyone for listening. Keep an eye out this week for Extra 2000 Trees Festival 
podcasts, content, photos, videos on our social media at Sapman Pod. Remember that you can get tickets for the 2023 edition of the festival at a very discounted price for this week only till Sunday, the 17th of July. And we'll be back next week and every Friday with a new podcast and special guests with Mayhem and Laughs. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Depends on Thursday, Friday and Saturday goes. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember. It's gone. Anyway, fuck it. Sapnin! Sapnin! Definitely had something important I wanted to say. Oh, I know. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.